G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. We'll be talking through the broad issues of creation and evolution. A very special guest this hour, Dr. Taz Walker. He's from Creation Ministries International and one of the contributing authors of a book that's been released this year by Creation Ministries called Evolution's Achilles Heels. Now that's heels, plural, H-E-E-L-S. Taz Walker is uh, has a career in engineering, in earth science and in geology and we are taking calls today talking about the broad issues of creation and evolution. You can be a part of our conversation. Feel free to call us. Our talkback line open on 1-800-880-876. That's 1-800-880-876 if you'd like to be part of our conversation today. Dr. Taz Walker, great to have you back in the studio. Uh, welcome along. Oh, thanks so much, Neil. It's great to be here again and to catch up with you and uh, all your listeners. Excellent. Taz, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things today and we'll focus in on creation and evolution. We'll take some calls from listeners who want to ask a question. Uh, it's not even a wrong thing to have a doubt or an argument that someone might like to put. And uh, those callers will be welcome today too to be part of our conversation. But we do want to draw attention to this latest book from CMI. It's called Evolution's Achilles Heels. You are one of the contributing PhD scientists. Uh, Give us a quick overview of how the book looks. Yeah, well, the the book is written by nine PhD scientists. And uh, as you said, it's heels, plural. So there's uh, multiple heels. And an Achilles heel is a weak point. It's a a fatal flaw in an apparently uh, invincible situation. And in this case, evolution is the apparently uh, invincible uh, situation. And uh, the books are written by uh, all these authors, and there's a lot of different topics. And mine, I spoke uh, and wrote on the topic of the geologic record. And that's uh, one of the Achilles heels of evolution. And we might have some focus on the geologic record through this hour. And there are those who'd be listening to our conversation now that will have questions, that will have doubts, that will have perhaps even a broader uh, uh, way that they can uh, talk about or question the sorts of things that uh, that creationists often talk about and uh, invited to be a part of our conversation. The other big dimension to this, not only the book, but as we said, a DVD. And now the DVD, that goes hand in hand, is called Evolution's Achilles Heels, and uh, there's not just nine, but 15 PhD scientists involved in the DVD. That's exactly right. So there's uh, extra extra scientists on the DVD. And that was uh, the uh, international premiere was in the United States uh, just a few weeks ago. Absolutely amazing. Rave reviews, standing ovations. So it was an incredible premiere. Uh, let me just dwell on that for a moment. Uh, when I heard standing ovations, I thought, well, that's either something that's been 
been, you know, set up in advance. But this is not just a one-off. This has been happening everywhere this DVD has been shown. And as I understand it, Taz, uh, it's not only standing ovations, but there have been people absolutely in tears uh, with excitement, I guess, uh, on the release of this DVD. That's exactly right. And uh, in the States, for example, there were two occasions. It was the one evening, but we couldn't fit everybody into the one venue. So there were two venues, one on one floor and one on another. And the standing ovations were completely unexpected. And uh, it took uh, the organisers absolutely by surprise. Okay. Now, there are launches that are happening around Australia. Now, one of those has already taken place. That was last Saturday in Tasmania. Uh, what do you know of the launches that are coming even tomorrow night, Friday night? Uh, those launches, uh, I don't know whether you've got dates in front of you. I might be able to check some dates here. Well, well, tell oh, me about the launches. There's quite a, quite a number of launches around Australia. And uh, tomorrow night, that's the... Um, uh, that's the, the 6th of November. It will be in Adelaide at Northgate. And then uh, on Friday the 7th, it will be in Sydney South. And uh, on Saturday the 8th, it will be in Sydney North. Saturday the 8th also will be in Perth. And Friday the 14th in Canberra. Saturday the 15th in Melbourne. Sunday the 16th in Melbourne West. And Brisbane North will be the 21st of November. And the 22nd of November will be Brisbane South. So there's a great... Uh, array of um, uh, Australia-wide launch screenings which are taking place this month. And we can point people to the creation.com website. That's where you can find the dates for your city or a city that is closest to you where you might be able to uh, get a hold of uh, a, a good look at uh, Evolution's Achilles Heels. Those are the launches. And, of course, you'll be able to get a hold of the book and the DVD from Creation. Dot com. Let's talk more about this book. Uh, we've got nine PhD scientists. Now, the breakdown is that they're covering all sorts of different areas in their expertise. We mentioned that you're covering the geologic records. What are the other scientists covering, Taz? Well, uh, there's natural selection. So this uh, one PhD scientist is covering do- uh, natural selection, Dr. Don Batten, genetics and DNA, Robert Carter, and then The Origin of Life, which is a really big one, Dr. Jonathan Safady. And then uh, Dr. Emil Silvestre, he's a um, geologist from Romania. He's doing the fossil record. And then I have uh, wrote on the geologic record. And then there's a physicist, uh, Dr. Jim Mason, talking about radiometric dating. That's a um, an issue that many people struggle with and think that it's proved things which it hasn't. And then cosmology, Dr. John Hartnett, the professor of uh, physics at the University of Adelaide. Uh, And then finally, the uh, book uh, wraps it up with the implications for ethics and morality. And that's Dr. David Catchpool, Dr. Mark Harwood. So it's a a very comprehensive book, and uh, yet it's very readable, and it's color. uh, It's printed in color. It's it's a very well-presented, easy read. It's exciting because one of the things that uh, that strikes me about this particular book, given that you've got these nine PhD scientists, is that in some ways it's bringing this expertise that people have been hearing about from Creation Ministries for so many years, bringing it all into one book, which is designed to give confidence to the reader to be able to stand in confidence and to be able to answer the questions that people have about evolution and creation. 
Exactly right. And it's, so it's about people who um, maybe uh, are Christians or connected with the church. And so it gives them confidence uh, so to be able to, to apply it and use it in their daily life. But it's also for not just for people who are Christians, it's for everybody. So whether people are atheists or secularists or whatever, it, it, it opens up a new dimension on life. You see, most people believe that the universe and all life in it evolved by chance. That's the, the message that's out there in the marketplace over billions of years, at the, the idea. And this just shows that's not true. It actually came about uh, as the Bible says, uh, and that just changes everything in the way we think about ourselves and the world and everything in it. And if you want to argue with that, you're welcome to today. We've got our talk back line open on one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. That's one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. Talking issues of creation and evolution today. Our special guest, Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International. We're taking calls. Let's hear from Bill in Alice Springs. Hello, Bill. Welcome to twenty twenty. Hello. Hello, Bill. What's your contribution to our conversation, or do you have a question for Taz? Uh, Not exactly, rather a statement. Okay, a statement. Yep, tell us what you think. Well, um, I was a regular contributor to um, the creation science for many years when my five children were growing up. But one of the things that I've come to realise in latter years is that People don't become Christians because they, I suppose you could say, convert from believing in um, creation science in favour of um, evolution. I I believe that when a person comes to the point that they realise that um, evolution is all googly gum or a myth, that that is a pre-evangelism conversion, but they still need to develop a relationship with Jesus before they're truly born again. That's a fair point. Uh, what are your thoughts, Taz? I agree entirely with that. I think the um, the creation-evolution issue and the various, uh, scienti- like this book, the, ver- the scientific discussion, it can uh, remove an obstacle. Some, t- some people say it's like putting a stone in a shoe, just makes people uncomfortable with their worldview, and so they start to look elsewhere. But you don't have to have all the answers before you can come to know Christ, before you can come to know God in a personal way. And uh, that's a totally different a different thing, and I agree with you. So this creation-evolution thing issue, it can be a problem before a person comes to Christ. It can be a problem after they come. Uh, but uh, it, it's important to get this sorted out so that we can uh, trust what the Bible says and, and it makes a uh, logically consistent worldview. Let's come back to Bill. Uh, Bill in Alice Springs, I guess uh, when we talk about that sort of pre-evangelism, that understanding of a difference between creation and evolution and the weight comes towards creation, you still as a parent, you're talking about raising your children, you still as a parent need to uh, in some ways... Uh, ensure that your children are aware of the biblical foundations for faith in Jesus Christ too. Absolutely, yeah. But um, there, there are a few people in town that are very enthusiastic about the creation science message and, um, and I was, I suppose you could say, involved in that type of thing myself for many years. But um, now I've come to realise that um, 
you can spend a lot of time on the creation science message with uh, individuals and, and even if they convert from the the, the uh, science thing to the creation thing, they still need to um, know about what Jesus' role and um, God's purpose is. And um, I'm inclined to think that it's more important to get people um, developing in a relationship with Jesus. And, and once that's done, well, obviously they're going to be a lot more open to the creation science side of things. And, that's, and that is important, but um, which is paramount of the two? I suspect uh, that when we talk through this issue, Taz, the idea of being able to answer objections uh, is one of those issues in pre-evangelism where you are talking to people about faith in God, uh, introducing them to Jesus Christ. One of the biggest objections people raise is that, what about the evolution theory? Is that the sort of thing oh, that you typically talk about? That's absolutely right, that uh, many people will say, oh, I don't believe in God, I believe in evolution. And so uh, if something is necessary just to help answer that. I, I think, um, well, the Bible gives us the example in the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul went into uh, Athens. He started with creation and uh, we call it creation evangelism because creation is what makes sense of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ as to why he came, who he, who he is, and, uh, and how we need to respond. So for people who have a creation foundation, we can go straight to the gospel. Those who don't have a creation foundation, as in uh, there's many South, Southeast Asian countries uh, where their worldview, their Buddhist worldview and other worldviews, Basically, it means that people can't understand why Jesus would come and who he is. And so understanding creation and the biblical account of it uh, makes a huge difference to people being able to respond. And Bill, I agree. Keep the gospel at the center. You know, the message of the cross, mm. which is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And when we talk about these issues of creation versus evolution and a whole lot of other different types of topics we might talk about if we're talking about relationships or even other areas of faith, uh, of course, uh, those things are all a part of the message, but the primary one, of course, the message of the gospel, the message of redemption, of God uh, connecting with man and our response to him. Bill from Alice Springs, thanks so much for being part of our discussion today here on 2020. We're taking calls, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. You can be a part of our conversation. Let's take another call. Rodney is in Penrith. Hello, Rodney. Welcome to 2020. Thank you very much. Look, uh, you're on a good program there. Look, uh, I just got a question that maybe it actually is here for the creation of science as well. We're talking about um, the ark. We go back to the ark when all the species were in one area, come off the ark, and they spread out throughout the world. Now, we have, you know, like in the middle of Australia, we might have a particular insect that lives there and nowhere else in the world. So how would that have happened? Has. How do we answer a normal evolution? Say, so, well, that, that particular creature lives only one spot in the world and uh, nowhere else. Yeah, well, that's a, a question that everybody has to answer. So it doesn't matter whether you are coming from a creation perspective or an evolutionary pers perspective. The same, the same issues and questions come up. How did that insect get there? So we can speculate and we can develop scenarios for um, 
for for how these uh, the the distribution the, the geographic distribution of uh, biology occurred, uh, and it involves say an insect. Sometimes they uh, speciate; they lose their ability to be generalists and uh, migrate to different areas. They become adapted and to a certain area. So that could happen. Uh, well, an insect. When you think about an insect, where did that come from? It was. Uh, it wouldn't have been on the ark, Noah's ark. It would have uh, probably been connected with uh, maybe vegetation mats and other things like that, and uh, ended up somewhere in Australia at the end of the flood, and then adapted to different climates. So you'd use some features like that to be able to explain insects. Air-breathing animals are different, say kangaroos and other marsupials. There's other scenarios that can be used to explain those, and uh, they're quite uh, simple and plausible. Rodney from Penrith, thank you so much for your question and for being part of 2020 today. You can be a part of our conversation too, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. We are talking broad issues of creation and evolution. Our guest is an expert in the geologic record. That's his contribution to this new book that we're talking about, Evolution's Achilles Heels. And of course, the, uh, the launches of the DVD called Evolution's Achilles Heels. You can be part of our conversation, one eight hundred. We're back with more in just a few moments. It's Neil with you on 2020. Special guest this hour, Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International. We are talking through issues of creation and evolution. Your opportunity to be a part of our conversation today. What is the burning question that you've always wanted to ask? Well, you can pick up the phone today, ask that question, or make a comment. You can even disagree. You can argue with what we're talking about today. one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six is our number. And just to mention the generosity of Creation Ministries today, uh, anyone who calls and uh, we're talking to through our hour in uh, whatever, whether it's a question or whether it's a comment, uh, you'll receive a subscription to Creation Magazine and with all of the other little bits and pieces that that entails as well. And I know people cherish uh, their subscription to uh, Creation. Uh, Let me just talk about the quality of the types of products you guys put out. Uh, Many years ago, some people might have had a criticism that said these things uh, don't look all that fabulous. These days, nothing gets by without looking absolutely incredible from CMI, uh, uh, including the latest uh, publications. We're talking about Evolution's Achilles Heels. They look fabulous, Taz. Yes, we've got quite a number of graphic artists there that lay them out. And the technology of printing has really improved over the recent decades so color printing is much cheaper and and uh yeah we we uh, really aim to have something which is attractive we ha- our artists are young so uh, they they have got new and fresh ideas and uh, so it looks young and modern the, the publications well we're taking calls one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. let's hear from neville in bernie in tasmania hello neville welcome to 2020 oh hi um, I just wanted to make a general comment. Sure. Um, I just uh, like about 20 years ago when I came to the Lord, um, I wasn't brought up in the church family, but um, I know the, the, the Spirit came in, the Holy Spirit came in, and as I said, um, I believe the Spirit of Truth was there. And it was like all of a sudden I knew that God created the trees around me, the mountains, and everything in it. It was just that realisation that I just knew that God did that. 
and that was it. So I don't know much about evolution, but <laughs> I knew that, uh, you know, God was the truth and he's the one that created everything in it. Sometimes I like to talk about belief being born in the heart and uh, there is a sense, isn't there, when you have an encounter with Jesus and that might be through your uh, a daily devotion or you might have been part of a Bible study, you might be responding to a message that you heard uh, in a Christian church or at an evangelistic outreach and something happens and there is a uh, something of a an encounter with Jesus Christ, an encounter with God, and all of a sudden, all of these other things that might have seemed important before don't matter so much. Is that the sort of experience you're talking about, Neville? Yeah, that's right. I think um, I think it's just uh, like I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit or anything, but uh, when I accepted uh, God in, I knew that something changed in my heart, and. Uh, yeah, it was just that knowing, um, this is even before I read the Bible, um, it was just that knowing that uh, I knew that he created everything in it. And let me ask Taz here, because sometimes we talk about uh, natural revelation, the idea that when we look at creation, we can actually see the hand of God in that. That's something I guess you guys would obviously pick up on in a lot of meetings. Exactly right. Creation reveals the creator. Uh, but the thing is, uh, many people don't see it. And I, he- I remember hearing a story about a young man who was uh, an atheist and he was confronted with the design in the human eye. He'd never thought about it before. And when he suddenly realized how the human eye pointed to design, he said in the space of a moment he went from being an atheist to believing in a creator and being in awe at his creation. And so that's <clears throat> we, we use uh, design often to point to point out to people and help people understand that there is a creator. But that raises up an issue is because a lot of things that are designed uh, are harmful. For example, you have uh, box jellyfish, you have snakes that are poisonous, you have tigers and bears, they're cute looking, but they'll kill you and eat you. And so we live in a world which there's a lot of horrible things. And that's made, to make sense of that, the Bible explains that we live in a world which has been spoiled by sin. And so it's the uh, biblical account which makes sense of the world, uh, how there's such a good world, and yet how, uh, on the other hand, it can be so um, so gruesome, so, so horrible at times. Uh, let me ask you, Neville from Burnie, uh, when you had this encounter, it didn't matter about the debate between creation and evolution, but, but as you go on as a believer and as you grow in maturity, is there a sense in which you have needed to look into some of these issues, creation, evolution, be convinced that God is creator? No, not really at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, I've, I've, it's never been, um, you know, I've just thought, well, evolution's got to, got to be a load of uh, a load of rot because, yeah, I just knew what was true mm. all of a sudden. I think well, that can be the case. And um, sometimes the things that I do, I will often feed people information, like give them a, a article which comes off the web or give them a brochure or something just to feed something which is going to pro- produce a little bit of a, a doubt, a new bit of information in their mind. But I do know of a lady who um, became a Christian, something, you know, as you described, came to know the Lord in a marvelous way. 
But when she went to her work, back to her work, her colleagues teased her mercilessly and uh, they uh, were mocking and scoffing and they say, you don't believe all that nonsense in Genesis, do you? How can you believe a modern woman that the world's only, you know, 6,000 years old? So, And that created, that mocking created uh, doubts in her mind and she started to think to herself, perhaps I've made too hasty a decision. But it was so coming to find some of these answers which provided a foundation. So I do think it's important to, to have answers, and particularly if we're talking, uh, sharing the gospel with others and their questions come up, we need to sort of be able to give them some logical reason. Uh, but that's not the only way in which we deal with them. Neville from Bernie, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Great to hear from you. Let's take another call from Ron in Glen Innes in New South Wales. Hello, Ron. Welcome along. Hello. Ron, what's your question or do you have a statement or a comment to make? Yeah, I just think it's... Um, um, I've just been listening to the news recently about the Ebola virus, how they found um, a cure in in um, tea, I think it was. Have you heard about uh, that? I'm not so familiar. Taz, are you familiar with, uh, with cures? I've heard about that, but uh, I'm not familiar with it, yes. No, I just want to say it's very interesting because, I mean, I believe that God created everything and and there's a reason for each plant. And, you know, um, with with cancer and with other um, diseases and stuff, they're always coming up with new cures um, that come from the plants. And I just believe, you know, th- th- I, I believe there's a, a plant for every disease out there. God made uh, creation to heal cre- creation, if you know what I mean. I think that's I uh, yeah. There's know, a lot good. of good stuff comes from plants, aren't there? And plants can yeah. be for healing and for health, and they they're, they're very good for us. The Ebola virus is an example of uh, it, it's believed to have uh, jumped from bats into humans. And viruses, uh, it seems that viruses have some good uh, some good good functions. Uh, and in a bat, they are quite. Um, harmless, uh, they're they benign, they don't cause any problems. But when they get into the human population, that's where the problem, problems start. And, uh, and often they, they will burn out over a period of um, decades and, and not be so harmful. So it's, uh, again, a consequence of the world in which we live, a world which has got a curse on it and spoiled by sin. Uh, and so um, that's why we have these bad things which appear. But God is a, is a God who heals, provides for us. Ron from Glen Innes, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Great to hear from you. You can be a part of our conversation. We are talking broad issues, creation and evolution, and we're also talking about Achilles' heels, evolution's Achilles' heels, uh, the book that's been released this year, Evolution's Achilles' Heels, and what's happening at the moment. There's a series of launches for a DVD that will be a companion to the book and uh, has, in fact, uh, 15 PhD scientists explaining evolution's fatal flaws. Now, you can get a hold of that, of course, at creation.com. You can be a part of our conversation today, too. You can call and you can ask your questions about creation and evolution. Our special guest is Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries. He's one of the contributing authors to Evolution's Achilles Heels. And his expertise is in engineering and earth science and geology. And his contribution in the book is all about the geologic records. Why don't you give us a call and talk about those sorts of things if you have some sort of question or or comment to make about creation and evolution. one 800 
880876 back with more in just a few moments. It's Neil with you on this Wednesday edition of 2020. Our talkback line open, talking through issues, creation and evolution. Dr. Taz Walker, our guest from Creation Ministries International. We're talking through issues. We're going to get a little bit of a focus on the geologic record because that's Dr. Taz Walker's contribution to the book called Evolution's Achilles Heels. We're talking about the book, but also about the fact that there are some launches that are happening this week and over the next 10 days or so uh, all around Australia where people are seeing for the first time Evolution's Achilles Heels, the DVD with 15 PhD scientists explaining evolution's fatal flaws. You can be a part of our conversation, one 800 Before we take another call, Taz, uh, you talk about three chords in your section in the book. What three chords are uh, are important for us to appreciate if you're uh, dismantling the evolutionary uh, theory? Well, the idea is that the, the geologic record, uh, the idea that it took millions of years for geology to form, uh, is based on three chords. And the first one is that um, you look at various uh, geological features and you think, well, that took millions of years to form. So this goes back 150 years when people started throwing doubt on the Bible. So I, I look at some of those things that actually don't take millions of years to form, although people say they do. And then there's uh, other features which uh, actually the slow and gradual normal geologic uh, explanations don't work and I point out to quite a number of those. And then I show to some other features where the Bible explains them elegantly. The Bible makes a, a, is a, a great insight, provides uh, uh, scientific uh, insights into how these things form. Now, the things that form rapidly, one of them is diamonds. People think that diamonds take millions of years to form. So you can't believe the Bible when it says God created in six days and, and the world's only 6,000 years old, something like that, because of diamonds. And yet most people don't know that there are companies now in the United States that make diamonds within days. There's a company called Gemesis and they have these large steel vats and they put little seeds of carbon in them. And after four days of high temperatures and high pressures, they open them up and out comes a diamond. So it only takes days, not millions of years. That's one. People are astounded when they discover this. Yes. Well, we're taking calls 1-800-880-876 to be part of our conversation today. Let's hear from Elizabeth. Benora Point in northern New South Wales. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome to 2020. Oh, hello, Neil. Elizabeth, what's your contribution to our conversation today? Well, it's not really a contribution. It's a question oh, wonderful. to Dr. Taz. Um, I've often heard, you know, Australia is supposed to have uh, ancient geology and uh, you hear people say, people who are experts, supposed, um, that um, Australian um, geology is very ancient. And I've, quite apart from the... Um, the things that you would like to say about geology, I've always thought, well, isn't it just the same age as anything else? How can soils be age ancient and not ancient? And do, and then I started to think, well, perhaps really they've got it upside down, and these are young soils here. Or anyway, what do you think, Doctor Taz? There you go. Thank you for that. 
Uh, well, that, that is what people say. You hear it on the on the media and on various documentaries about Australia being so ancient. But the interesting thing is, when you dig out a rock, it does not have a little label on it which says "I'm a thousand million years old" or something no. like that. Mm. And the the rock is um, geologists will uh, try to figure out how old they think it is, and they'll use various methods, and they'll come up with a number which they think looks reasonable. And some of the numbers that they come up with are in the thousands of millions of years. But when you actually look at the rocks, and uh, we've written articles on this, uh, it looks like they're, they're early flood rocks. They were, they were rocks which were deposited or sediments and volcanic activity which occurred early in the flood. And then not long after that, there was movements in the crust of the earth which pushed them around. And so they've been bent and twisted and eroded and folded. And so they look old because they're so bent and broken. And then there's other uh, sediments which are deposited on the top of them, which might contain dinosaur fossils. And so they'll say they're younger. And then there's other ones deposited on top, which look younger still, which are obviously younger still because they're sitting on top. So they can work out the general relative age. Uh, and uh, so the, the ones that, they, that are said to be really, really old... Uh, generally would be ones deposited early in the flood and have had a lot of um, messing up and breaking around uh, since they were first deposited. Mm. Does that answer your question, Elizabeth? Yes, yes. um. I think you were making reference too to the fact that uh, what's the difference between young and old? Uh, It's Mm. it's young and it's old, and it's young and it's old here, it's young and it's old other places around Mm. the world too, Tad. That's right. Well, geologists, when you look at uh, layers of rock, you might... So you're um, at, down in north, northern New South Wales, you might in some road cuts see some layers of rock. Well, the general idea is the layers on the bottom were deposited first and the ones that sit on top of them were later. And that's the relative age. And uh, geologists then start to put numbers on them according to what they believe. So we can work out the relative ages of the rocks, which came first, which came second, which came third. Mm. Uh, but we can, but uh, creation geologists can interpret these and say, well, these happened early in the flood and uh, as the waters were rising and as the waters were reaching their peak and then as the waters were going down towards the second half of the flood, the landscape was being eroded and then there was other material which was deposited. So you can work out a general sequence and order, and, uh, but the numbers that creation geologists use are quite different from those which are used by secular geologists who believe things are billions of years old. Elizabeth from Benora Point, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. And when we talk about the difference between what scientists who have a creation point of view and scientists who have an evolutionary point of view using different numbers, they're coming with different pre-existing assumptions or what some people call presuppositions. They're presupposing uh, things before they're actually uh, uh, declaring their hand. How does that work, Taz? That's exactly right. There's presuppositions uh, Come into it, and so a, a geologist will, will um, with those presuppositions, will interpret the rocks within a certain way. So he'll look to see how other geologists have interpreted it according to their presuppositions, which he probably agrees with. And so they come with a, it's a, a consensus thing where they all have the same assumptions and they come up with the same answer. Well, creationist geologists, they have different presuppositions. We still use the material that the uh, the geologists find in the field, they do a lot of good work, but we interpret it a different way. 
And when we talk about sediments, you say the lower sediments are considered to be older, but uh, tell us about how sedimentary formations are created and how that relates to the biblical Noah's flood. Well, the, the, um, when, when the water flows across the land, as the water uh, was raining and when you have floods, it erodes a lot of material away. So it, it picks up material and carries it along in the water. The water is very muddy and sand, it's full of sand. And then it, it washes it into an area where it then uh, is stiller and maybe deeper and it deposits the sediments and it forms uh, mudstone and sandstone, and this all happens, it can happen very rapidly. And so we see around Sydney area lots of amazing sandstone and lots of indication that it was deposited rapidly with lots of water going for hundreds of kilometres, and uh, it's entirely consistent with uh, the, the global flood of Noah's time. You can be a part of our conversation. We're talking broad issues, creation and evolution, and nothing you might ask. Uh, will shock anyone. Why don't you call and ask your question, or you might have a comment to make. Our guest is an expert in the geologic records. Taz Walker is our guest. He is uh, one of the contributing authors to the Achilles, the Evolution's Achilles Heels book. And, of course, uh, the DVD launch is on this week, and you can find out the dates all around Australia where you can see the launch of that new DVD, Evolution's Achilles Heel. one 800 880-876 if you'd like to be part of our conversation back with more Taz Walker in just a few moments. 2020, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. It's Neil Johnson with you on 2020, our special guest this hour, Dr Taz Walker. We're talking about creation and evolution, evolution's Achilles heels. Taz is one of the contributing PhD scientists and his area of specialty is the geologic record. Uh, we've been talking about sediments, Taz. Uh, let's talk about the geologic record when it comes to fossils, because fossils find their way into the middle of these sediments. Uh, tell me about fossils. What should we understand about fossils that, uh, that is opposite to perhaps what we're being taught about fossils in school? Exactly right. Uh, people imagine that fossils take millions of years to form. That's the general idea that's out there. And yet the uh, existence of fossils points to rapid processes, and these processes are consistent with the catastrophe of Noah's flood. For example, we find dinosaur fossils in the middle of Queensland. There's a, um, there's a museum up at Richmond where one of the local farmers found a large swimming marine reptile called a plesiosaur, and uh, so th this, this was discovered in his paddock, and uh, when the paleontologists, the people who study these things from the Queensland Museum, went up there, they, they, they excavated. It was some four metres long. It was amazingly preserved, and they said there must have been some sort of a catastrophe here. Now, the reason for that is because it was so well preserved. When animals die today, kangaroos at the side of the road or fish in the ocean, they get eaten by other fish and there's nothing left. So for it to be preserved means that it has to be buried rapidly. And so we find fossils all over the world and that's exactly as you would expect from Noah's flood. The, uh, there's a little saying that goes, uh, if there really was a worldwide flood, what would you expect to find? Billions of dead things buried in rock layers, laid down by water all over the earth. And that's exactly what you do find, these fossils. Now, amazingly, you find fossils of jellyfish. Uh, there's, um, uh, these things obviously had to be buried rapidly. They, they don't last very long when they wash up onto the beach. So jellyfish indicate rapid burial before had time to, um, 
you know, had time to write away. Taz, give us a little insight into how you can tell those fossils are, in fact, uh, set quickly, because there's something that you write about in your section in the book Evolution's Achilles Heels, where you talk about the dead dinosaur posture. What is the posture? What's that got to do with how you can tell that uh, an animal was buried quickly? Well, uh, it's dinosaurs plus also birds have the similar sort of posture. That is, uh, it's got their head uh, sort of twisted back. Their back is arched, their tail is arched, their legs stick out. So it's a, a really unusual posture for these things to be found in. And a lot of people wondered, why do we find so many fossils which have this, this shape, uh, this posture to them? And uh, people who've done uh, work on it, uh, experiments on it, some of them think that it's because they were buried so rapidly that they, uh, it, they were suffocating and it was a lack of oxygen which caused muscle spasms. So, and it involved a lot of sediment washing on them. So that's, again, that's consistent with the flood. Others think that uh, it, it might be to do with these animals. They died and they were floating around in water for a little while and that affected the way their muscles and the ligaments uh, reacted and uh, that caused the dead dinosaur posture. So we find it very, very common and it points to rapid processes, uh, which is consistent with the global flood. Now, your section in the book, do you have a section on the DVD? I mean, uh, when we talk about uh, uh, PhD scientists uh, represented there in the book and uh, each one writing a chapter on a particular Achilles heel of evolution, uh, what does the DVD comprise? Is there, a, is there an argument for creation there in the DVD? Yes, it's very it's very well done. The um, there's a number of sections, like uh, we mentioned, the fossil record, the origin of life, cosmology, those sorts of sections, and there are different people who are interviewed. So it's fast moving, it's interesting, and there's lots of animations as well connected with with uh, each section. And uh, one of the interesting things is that each section ends with a little summary uh, a statement as to the what are the major conclusions of each section. So you can easily easily understand it. You can use a DVD. It's a 90-minute DVD. You can just watch it all in one go. And churches or any groups can, can have a public showing uh, the, by registering with Creation Ministries. Or you could use it in a, a different situation where you just watch one section at a time, say, in a... In a, uh, you know, people in, at a home could do just one section and talk about that. Burning question, I'm sure, on a lot of people's minds. Will it make ripples in the scientific community? Uh, have you had much feedback from uh, secular scientists, mainstream scientists who've had a look at the book and have they made any comment? Uh, yes, uh, the mainstream scientists, particularly like the atheists, tend to be a little bit more aggressive out there in your face. And so they, they uh, were not happy with this launch, with this book, and they sort of uh, all banded together and tried to get YouTube to ban it by saying it was, uh, you know, the, 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 it was they banned it, you know, click on that button which says offensive and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so they, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them would do that. So, and uh, I think Richard Dawkins' blog sites talked about it. So it certainly has raised, uh, they're aware of it and, uh, probably not happy that it's being uh, put out. But I think if atheists will look at it and uh, see the information, uh, I think it would be really nice that uh, if they backslide, 
and come to the Lord, that's a really good thing. <laughs> I know a bunch of you guys uh, from CMI, and there is a sense in which, uh, you know, criticism is welcomed. Uh, argument is welcomed. You guys have got a, a thick skin, and uh, and I, I think you sort of relish the idea that there'll be critics because critics give you an opportunity to express more of the understanding that you have as a creationist. Exactly right. We do like to have critics. And the other thing that happens is is that it strengthens the argument. When you get people resisting, people arguing against you, it actually makes the the case better when you learn how to answer those. So we, we, we're very, very glad to get uh, responses like that. Actually, we've offered to debate atheists when they've been in Australia. But they don't seem to like the idea, so we haven't been able to organise organize that yet. <laughs> We're taking calls one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. An interesting one coming through. Uh, normally, our calls come from within our borders here in Australia. Ryan is calling from the UK. Hello, Ryan. Ryan, are you with us? Hi, that Neil. Yes, Ryan, you're calling from the UK. I am indeed. Yes. Are you listening to us streaming on your internet? Are you? Absolutely, from my mobile. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, Ryan, uh, Taz is with us. Do you have a question or a comment about our discussion today? Yes, I actually have. Um, I've got a very big sceptic my son about, and um, he's declaring about uh, dinosaurs, and he's saying that there's no mention about dinosaurs whatsoever in the, in the Bible. Um, there's huge gaps in the... Um, in the beginning of Genesis, where it basically says, well, God just skips all over. So, like, for example, the six days, um, does it refer to years, does it refer to centuries, etc.? Yes. I wanted to try and get some kind of reference where it actually mentions about dinosaurs and about all the missing gaps, as he says it to me. Well, uh, the Bible, if, if you think of dinosaurs like any other creature, that's the way to understand them. So, for example, it doesn't mention in Genesis chapter 1, it doesn't talk about elephants or tigers. Uh, it doesn't talk about whales. But if you just think of those animals, it says all the animals that live on the land were created on day 6. That's elephants, tigers, and dinosaurs. Dinosaurs live on the land. So you you it explains dinosaurs even though they're not specifically mentioned. But there are dinosaurs, actually, we think there's a good case that dinosaurs are mentioned in the book of Job and described in the book of Job. It's Job chapter 40 where it talks about a very large animal uh, that uh, the, the, this guy Job knew about and uh, it's described and the description of it fits with the description of a sauropod dinosaur. Now, if you go to um, creation.com and look up dinosaurs or look up sauropod dinosaurs or look up dinosaurs, Job, J-O-B, uh, you'll find articles about that uh, which will explain them. And the dinosaurs would have gone on the ark. Every every kind of air-breathing, land-dwelling animal went on the ark and they would have come off after the flood was over. And so is there any evidence that people uh, encountered dinosaurs or talked about dinosaurs? Yes, there is, but they didn't call them dinosaurs. They actually called them dragons. And so there's, again, on creation.com, you can find lots of articles about dragons and you can actually uh, identify what particular dinosaur is being spoken about. So um, good stuff there to uh, how to explain dinosaurs. Ryan, uh, does that answer your question? 
Yeah, that's great. Is that Job 40, 40? 40, that's right. But, but I'll also Google, you know, or, or, or search on creation.com for that as well, and uh, you'll get some information. Ryan from right. the United oh, Kingdom. Yeah. Good great you, to hear from you, and uh, we've just gone global. We were national before. We're global now. Uh, Ryan from the UK, great to hear from you. Uh, running short of time a little now, Taz, uh, just to take a few moments uh, for listeners who might be interested in where these launches are happening for this new DVD. Uh, let me just uh, look at those dates. Adelaide tomorrow night. Uh, that's in Northgate in South Australia. Exactly right, Yes. Uh, Sydney on Friday night, that's in Moorbank. Uh, you've got some more in Perth. Uh, the Sydney North is on the 8th, and uh, that's at Chatswood. And then Perth has got Woodvale on uh, the 8th. Canberra, 14th at uh, Rivet. And Melbourne is on the 15th at uh, Chermside Park. And Melbourne is also on the uh, 16th at uh, to Hoppers Crossing. And then Brisbane North at Stafford Heights on the 21st and the 22nd in Brisbane at Runcorn. Certainly for people who are listeners and uh, living either in or close by to those uh, capital city uh, screenings, uh, you might like to take advantage of that opportunity and uh, you'll be able to get a hold of uh, Evolution's Achilles Heels, the new DVD as well, from creation.com. Uh, Taz Walker, our guest, Dr. Taz Walker, one of the contributing PhD scientists to this book. We've been talking about Evolution's Achilles Heels. And uh, Taz, I, I suspect uh, your encouragement would be for people to get a hold of the book, to get a hold of the DVD and to make use of the information that is within. Uh, Taz, it's great always having you as a guest and uh, been great conversation today. Thanks to listeners who called in. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Great to be here, Neil. Really, really good. It's time for the news, but what's different about our news is that stories are selected and written through the lens of the Christian worldview. It's another way vision is connecting faith. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.